0: is up front on the voice of america i'm jackson vongani thank you so much for joining us today africa's space sector is steadily expanding with over 20 countries establishing national space initiatives and plans to launch more than 100 additional satellites by 2025 but even with this kind of interest and investment many say that the continent is falling behind the space race africa
1: needs to be in space it's, there's no choice, in my view. Being behind in that area uh, costs African nations quite a lot. That is Dr. Brooke Lackey,
0: an Ethiopian-American space scientist. Dr. Lackey is an associate director for planning and R&D. Solar System Exploration Division at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, which is considered the largest Earth and Space Science Research Organization in the world. He joins us on the show to talk about the need for Africa to step up its game in
2: space. I'm mostly seeing about like life challenges, sometimes just good vibes for people to dance and have fun.
0: And Gomez Oba is a Cameroonian artist on a mission to bridge the divide in his country through his music. But first, let's hear from you, our listeners. We asked you, are leaders born or are they made? This is what you had to say. Well, let me say that uh, I believe personally that uh, leadership is something that uh, one is born with. So, yes, I would say that uh, we can learn uh, to be a leader in class, but at the same time, I would say that uh, you don't necessarily need to sit uh, in a classroom and to learn how to become a leader. However, it is uh, somehow important for one to also uh, have an access to uh, lessons on leadership. We are not supposed to be taught on how... Uh, to be a good leader, but we are supposed to learn, okay? If someone wants to be a good leader, he or she is supposed to learn maybe from other people, from other leaders, from their role models. Many thanks to all of you for sending in your opinions. This is Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. Studies show that Africa's space sector is steadily expanding, with over 20 countries establishing national space initiatives and plans to launch more than 100 additional satellites in the sky by 2025. Earlier this year, the African Union's Space Agency, that's an agency created to oversee space-related activities on the continent, was formally inaugurated in Egypt's capital, Cairo. The goal is to foster the growth of an African space market and industry, plus the exploitation of space resources. But even with these kind of developments, many believe that Africa is still lagging behind in the space race and should do more to catch up with their developed counterparts. Ethiopian-American space scientist Dr. Brooke Lackey is the associate director for planning and R&D at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. This is considered the largest earth and space science research organization in the world. He tells me that even though space exploration requires a lot of resources, it is necessary if African governments are to become less reliant on foreign technology and to take control of their own environmental and national security. Dr. Brooke Lackey, thank you so much for joining us today. How does one become a space scientist? Where did you start? Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: My, my story is a little different um, because when I talk to my uh, some of them, my colleagues and their path to to uh, space science, it, it's kind of straight line. You know, they went to high school, they knew what they were going to be doing. They then they went to college and did PhD in you know astronomy, astrophysics, or astrochemistry, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. In my case, uh, you know, I was born in Ethiopia. I went to a French school, uh, local uh my tuition was uh 5 ethiopian birr can you imagine it's a f- uh, few cents I per know. month you know <laughs> now, now it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of money but skyrocketed, uh, yeah, skyrocketed mm. and so uh when i finished high school there the french government gave me a scholarship to go and study in france and so i went there and uh i did um, physics and chemistry double major in college and then i did uh, physical chemistry in uh, ph- uh, my phd for so your master's and phd yes university of paris yeah. And uh, at the time, the Ethiopian government was a military dictatorship. Uh, My parents, everybody said, don't come back. So like everybody else, I migrated to the United States. Mm -hmm. And during my uh, thesis work, doing my PhD, I studied the surface physics of solids. And in space, the way you create a signal from a spacecraft uh, or, or whatever you're looking at is by getting radiation from it and then having a sensor that converts that radiation power, uh, radiating power into electricity. Mm. And that's a surface property. And that's, w- and, and that's how I, my, my training converged with what NASA needs. Ah, I needs. see. Yeah. So it came at the
0: time when, I guess, science had evolved to that level of understanding of this very specific yes, thing. Yes,
1: exactly. Specifically a mission called the Cosmic Background Explorer and it was uh, launched in 1989. And it was looking for the very early stage of the universe, yeah. the Big Bang. And the lead scientist got a Nobel Prize in 2006 for the work on, uh, of that mission.
0: Yes, I, I think I remember that. so yes, then was you big, know, I got uh, involved in
1: that. And because it was looking at the very early universe, the very cold, mm-hmm. way, way back, the Big Bang. The Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory. Yes. So uh, it, it avoided looking at the sun. Because the sun is very hot, and you're looking, you have extremely sensitive sensors on board. So the the spacecraft, instead of being an equatorial orbit around the Earth, Mm. it was polar and looking away from the sun. And when it does that, at the north and south, the Earth's magnetic field traps a lot of uh, radiation from the sun, protons, electrons. That bombarded the spacecraft, and my uh, the request that I had, the assignment that I was given, is to study, to study what the, that radiation does to the sensors of the spacecraft. Mm. So was it disrupting the sensors? Yes, is that absolutely. What? yes. Okay. So, so you re- came up with the solution. Yes, exactly. So I. Uh, so I, you
0: joined NASA around what, 1999? No,
1: no, oh. much, much earlier, uh, 1984. 84. Oh, 84. wow, that's much but, earlier. Uh, at the time, I was not, a, you know, federal scientist employee. I was employed through a contract. Okay. And... But area. still working with
0: NASA. Absolutely. Okay. The whole time. Okay. And so you saw the space technology evolving from, you know, 1984 really is, uh, is quite, uh, you know, absolutely, at the early absolutely. stages of it.
1: <laughs> Some of our instruments, uh, like the second mission I was involved in that sent a spacecraft to, to Saturn, the instrument was uh, 42 kilograms. Now, nobody would send uh, that heavy an instrument. Yes, it's too heavy. Uh, it's yeah. too heavy. Yeah. And because of the advent of uh, miniaturization, the, all the sensors and the electronics, the optics, everything is very, very small. I'm glad that you brought that up. I've had that uh, the early space uh,
0: explorers, I guess the guys who went to the moon, mm-hmm. the fast people, they use, the technology they use is the same technology that we use in our phones.
1: No, this is that the, the phone is much more powerful <laughs> right uh, now. The, than the <laughs> processor, the memory, yeah. a lot of stuff they were actually doing manually, to, uh, computing the angle from the star that they used as reference. Yeah, it was an extremely high risk uh, um, mission. mission, and yeah. it, it worked. But now it's automatically done for you through computers. Well, I think and, that and, changed a lot. And so the, one of the contributions of NASA is that it requires all the time. Um, Miniaturizing everything, making it smaller and smaller, and industry followed. And so, in the end, you have these kinds of things that are. that are being used in consumer products. Exactly, benefiting uh, humanity in many ways.
0: What kind of data have we collected so far uh, in in our research that gives us a better understanding of our own planet here
1: on Earth? Okay, so there are four major science uh, areas of research in space. Uh, One of them is Earth science, studying our own Earth. The, our our Earth is constantly changing you know it's there is uh, 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 life that changes the even the surface of it, mm. it, it we 've lost the history of how the earth evolved to come to it now because of constant change rain forest mm. fire all kinds of things water life makes it that it 's very difficult to find the, the past whereas um uh, and so we need to monitor what's going on, including the climate change that we're bringing now. Mm-hmm. It's evident now that it's happening. So that's Earth science. The other one is uh, astrophysics, looking at the hu- the universe as a whole, all the big galaxies, the clusters of galaxies, the uh, the enormous... Uh, you know, uh, width of the universe as it, as, as it is now, and it's expanding significantly every second. The galaxies are going away from each other at very high velocity. Okay. N- you know, thousands of miles per second. Moving away from Moving each away. Other. Mm-hmm. And so the big question is whether it's, it's, it's going to come back because of gravity will pull it back, or with, will it expand forever and cool down and kind of die? There is a lot of data captured from all these satellites that are in space. Looking at all the different in the Earth or the planets or the universe, or the the sun-Earth connection. Okay. And so there's. And we are able to learn to synthesize that and learn something about ourselves. So there's a lot of scientists at NASA and also in, in academia in the universities who are. Looking at this data, it's available to everyone. The, the public paid for it, mm. so after a mission is sent and it gets the data, we what we do is calibrate it, make sure that the data is is reliable, and then make it available to the to the to science public data. research institutions they, exactly that will and, uh, and even you know worldwide. the you know, okay. African scientists will, will also have access. Okay, let's let's talk about a little bit about the future. What does the future of uh, space exploration look like?
0: We've seen many people attempting to go to Mars. To other planets, are we looking at uh, colonies on any of these planets? Right. In the at so, least
1: in our lifetime. Uh, in our lifetime, what we will probably see is a colony on the moon. Um, the four astronauts that are going to be going to the moon in the, in, in the next year or so uh, just got selected last March. Uh, one African American, one woman, and two other uh, uh, astronauts, one from Canada, were selected. Um, so what they're going to do is go to the moon, um, uh, uh, orbit around the moon, and, and come back without actually landing, just to make sure that the whole system works well. Mm-hmm. And then the next uh, next phase is going to be astronauts going to land on the moon, and specifically not near the equator where the previous landers did, go to the south pole of the moon, because the south pole has a lot of very deep craters mm-hmm. that are completely dark all the time and it looks like there's water ice there. If there is water ice then we can stay there for a much longer time and have a moon base and then uh, the idea is potentially to um, go to Mars from the moon because the moon is much, much smaller in size, a quarter the size of the Earth, so it's much easier to take off from. But So in the very near future, it's landing on the moon and having um, a base there, where we learn to live uh, outside Earth for a long time. Mm. And it's kind of a training ground to go to Mars. This is Upfront
0: on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vunganyi. We're still speaking to Ethiopian-American space scientist, Dr. Brooke Lakiu. Now... A question that many people ask, I think is part of a wider debate of the U.S. and other developing countries spend billions of dollars for space exploration. And they're asking, is there justification to spend that much resources to go to the moon and other, other places in, in space when there's a lot of suffering? There's so much need for, for the resources here on Earth. What what is your take on yeah. that? Yeah,
1: um, I've, I've I've thought about this issue. Um, it, it, Africa needs to be in space. There's there's no, it's it's not, uh, uh, it's, there's no choice mm. in my view. Um, being behind uh, in that area uh, costs African nations quite a lot. For instance, for communication for telephone, for education, remote education to their provinces and stuff. They pay hundreds of millions of dollars rent to get the bandwidth from private satellites and so on and so forth. Even you know, if you look at that, it'd be enormous saving if they had their own communication satellite. And also now with the miniaturization that I mentioned, you have uh, CubeSats, they're like uh, 10 centimeter cube. Mm. And that's one U, one unit. You can have a, a 6U where you can have quite a few things in that you can is, launch. Is that s- what we hear
0: when we, uh, for example, like Uganda sent ex- a, a, a satellite to space recently? and, uh, and Kenya. Kenya. Kenya
1: did one. Yes. Yeah. Actually, what's different about the Kenyan uh, satellite, it was uh, built by engineers from a private company in Kenya. That's a departure from... I mean, in old private govern- sector uh, private investment in, in space exactly. in Africa and is happening. And was launched by SpaceX. Yeah. And so uh there is that 's very early stage, but it should be encouraged I think um, Af- Africa is wasting quite a bit of resources in, in, through internal wars and stuff you know i 'm mm-hmm. not saying it 's only in Africa because wars happen around the world as we know now but uh, leaders should make it every effort possible to avoid these things and focus on what 's important for the future it, it's being present in space is is Controlling your own financial transactions, uh, controlling um, how you grow crops from space. You can map, you can see where mo- moisture is low or high and so on and so forth. It's even important for national security. So it's its not a choice. You have to be there. And, and to do so, I think, original, uh, <clears throat> co-operations, regional cooperations yes. like Kenya has... Mm. Uh, on San Marco Island uh, a, a launch pad that Italians use it's near the equator as you know when you launch from the equator it's you get the 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 earth rotates faster at the equator so you get all that um, uh, uh, velocity attached to it and so you know the launch could be in in Kenya The the satellite could be assembled in Uganda um, the uh, some of the electronics could be done in Ethiopia and so on. And, and, and and Research happens in some it, other places. It saved, and the yes, absolutely, together. it's so not. Is it's that not not
0: prohibitively
1: difficult? Then. Right.
0: I mean, prohibitive in terms of resources could be, but when you pull resources, I guess.
1: Absolutely. But is
0: Africa falling behind the space race at this point? Is that
1: something that worries you? It worries me. Yes, uh, Nigeria has, has done several iterations of space launch. For instance, they they hired an English company uh, that did their first satellite. They had their engineers go in England to to work, but now they're gradually moving the control center in Nigeria and and then doing some of the work in their own. So. There's a lot of not highly organized uh, Africa wise, but every uh, these countries are trying.
0: In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. My name is Jackson Vongani. We're speaking to Dr. Brooke Lacu, an Ethiopian American space scientist, about the need for Africa to invest more in the space sector. Is uh, space exploration the only way to ensure survival of the human species? <laughs> uh, that's a good one.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, um, do, think, do we have to do this for uh, our own survival? Well, I think for, um, for, near, for the near future, we're stuck here on this planet. Yeah. Because if you look at Mars, which is really a close cousin to Earth, the atmosphere is pretty much gone. There's very little atmosphere, and that's carbon dioxide. So one would have to release a lot of oxygen from the rocks. Warm up the, the rocks the, and uh, release it to... Chemically remove yeah. and then create reform the atmosphere that was there before. We have to take care of our own planet first. Okay. I think it really make some drastic policy changes to make sure that uh, climate change But As a
0: person who is privy to this information, are there any objects in the solar system that we should be worried about here on Earth?
1: Uh, well, well, aside from asteroids, they were- uh, well, they're just <laughs> asteroids and comets yeah. mostly. Right. Uh, but uh, so far, there, there's no, uh, to my knowledge, any. alien not uh, <laughs> I wasn't some, talking about but, aliens. But, no, God forbid. Yeah. If, if they find us first, it means they are much more advanced. Advanced. And an, an advanced civilization encountering a lower uh, civilization in the, uh, at least on Earth. It has been a disaster. We're about to be colonized. <laughs>
0: what are some of the new discoveries that will change life as we know it? So far in, what, 2023, space exploration is relatively new to other technologies, I guess. What are some of the things that you say these are life-changing that are already making
1: a difference here on Earth? Well, um, uh, first of all, this communication, satellite communication uh, as made such that uh, you go to Africa, for instance, where there was no, in the past, when I was a child, there was, you know, wires between telephones. And imagine where Africa would be if, if this new. Way of communication. Uh, we didn't have with it. Our, yes, we didn't have I it. I mean, you go so, in the rural areas; so everybody they would have, have lots now. and lots of people completely disconnected. Yeah. And now, you know, you go to Kenya; they have this app where you just pay with your phone, and it's all kinds of things are changed in the medical field. Uh, a lot of the uh, machines have been miniaturized because of the uh, uh, use uh, in space for astronauts. Um, the one important instrument that's very important and it's being developed here you know, in Maryland in, at the Goddard Space Flight Center, is a mass spectrometer. It uh, allows you to take a sample and look at the, its components, organic and otherwise. And uh, it's used in the pharmaceutical industry here on Earth, but it's you know huge machines. But as I, we were discussing earlier, we need smaller and smaller. And so there's one being developed to go to Titan, uh, one of the moons of Saturn, uh, on a mission called uh, Dragonfly. it would be launched, uh, I think, 2029 20, or so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's under construction. It's, under construction it's going to be looking for organics uh, on the moon. And it's, uh, it's a drone, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's going to land and then go to, from places to places and look for organics that are similar uh, to what we have here. And so because of the compression and miniaturization, Maybe someday in the future we would have our own mass spectrometer and sniffing, you know, breathing it and then tell you what your daily situation is, you know. So uh, all kinds of things like things are about to happen. Now, my final question to you, I guess, because
0: we are running out of time, and I really want to thank you. I wanted to ask you first of all, how does one become a space scientist? Advice for young Africans that might be watching you.
1: You're being, you know, inspired by you. Okay. Where do they start from? Okay, so I, I gave a talk at the University of Addis Abbas many years ago and uh, presented what we do at NASA and so on and so forth. And at the end of the, uh, my talk, in the back of the room, uh, one kid, you know, college student raised his hand and he said, okay, well, what you said is really great, but what's in it for me? <laughs> it was a good question, yeah. right? you know, what's in it for me? And um, what I uh, said was that uh, if you are doing basic research, uh, physics, chemistry, and so on and so forth, it's more for academia. You're going to stay in the theory field and so on. But if you transition to applied sciences, then there's so much data from space that you can look at. And, and, you know, have a hypothesis and then, and then look at the data and then say this is the, what we're observing. There's so much avail- uh, stuff available. And one of the uh, students who was in the classroom later told me, he changed his, his major right there. He wow. said, okay, applied science. And uh, did solar physics and so on. And he's working at NASA now. Wow. So uh, I think first and foremost is when you're in high school, make sure you really um, understand the, the the foundation of knowledge. Um, you know, physics, chemistry, math are very important. Of course, it depends on the teachers. You know, they have to be formed better in Africa. But then um, after high school, major in one of the science uh, fields and computing, you know, uh, and, um, and then go to graduate school. That's very important. And then, as I said, there's earth science fields. There's a lot of. St- uh, topics in art science there's a lot of topics in um, uh, planetary science looking for life astrochemistry astrobiology lots of stuff mm. and um, get your phd and and then you the start future, on your journey the future is is, is that
0: was dr brooke lackey dr lackey is the associate director for planning and r&d Solar System Exploration Division at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. He joined me in studio here at the Voice of America. What's
2: up, Africa? You are
0: listening to Upfront, the Voice of America. Hello, Upfront. My name is Kazbo Prosper. I'm in Kampala City, the capital city of Uganda. I'm a boda boda rider in Kampala. I love listening to Upfront on Voice of America. Now, if you have been listening to music from Cameroon, you should be familiar with the name Gomez Oba. The young upcoming artist has been making waves in his country's music industry. And on his recent tour in the US, Gomez Oba passed by our studios to talk about the African music landscape and his mission to bridge the divide in his country through his music. Gomez Oba, thank you so much for joining my us. Pleasure.
2: Yo, yeah, so my pleasure.
0: how are you liking the US so far?
2: Yes, uh, beautiful, yeah. chill nice i'm so happy so what, what are you
0: doing are you here for yeah, promotion here. are you on a tour yeah
2: uh, i'm here for tour and promotion too okay but basically i'm here to do like a tour
0: around so, the u.s yeah now you, you have a, a big fan base here um you're growing growing fan base i have a growing probably, fan base yes. but
2: i have like a big fan base too so i like that yeah i like yeah,
0: that yeah. uh first of all i mean i like your drip thank you good. thank you thank yes. you yes we'll so talk to cool. us about your music um, what kind of music do you do?
2: Afro beats, Afro, cause I'm, I have like a Nigerian background too. Yeah, so so it's mostly Afro beats, mm-hmm. but mixed with a little bit of Makosa from Cameroon. I mostly sing about like life challenges, sometimes just good vibes. For people to dance and have fun, mm. um, like about, I, I love to appreciate the, the women, mm. I love also the ladies, to, the ladies. Yes. I love also to like talk about like my struggle, where I'm from to inspire people.
0: So you're from Cameroon, but I'm where from, exactly in Cameroon are you from? I'm from
2: the southwest region of Cameroon, yeah, where we have a lot going on.
0: Yeah, tell us about that area. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful region. We speak um, English. And you know Cameroon is like bilingual. Yes. But there's an English region of Cameroon. We have like cities like Boya, where, where I'm from. Big mm. up to Boya, Kumba, Bamenda. And we have what everybody knows is going on in Cameroon right now. My, my people are actually going through a lot. And so we're just like, I'm just happy that I'm using music somehow to like, ease them like for them to forget mm. a little bit and because they are really suffering
0: right so there's been a, a, a continuing yeah. conflict yeah. in cameroon yes. between uh francophone and anglophone uh and you're hoping that your music kind of eases it's, the tension yeah it's
2: it's actually doing that and we pray and we hope like it should end like, yeah we, we we want to be happy absolutely want what, what, to what do you think
0: what, what do you think is the role of music in in society in like a in in your area for very, example very very
2: powerful music is very powerful music is very like music mood it changes moods like it could um educates understand music also like music is like a safe haven for a lot of people that are going through distress and in life in general so i believe music music is um music is so big it's mm-hmm. uh, so important
0: what role has, uh, social media played in your career?
2: A lot, a lot. Like, for example, my my lead single right now, my most popular single right now, Woman, it was it was blown by TikTok, like, by the social media. So I didn't really, I didn't really have to, to promote spend it. too much. Yeah. But TikTok did that for me. It's like a shortcut and... Yeah. So everything he was talking about, yeah, like, I myself, I'm very open to, like, learning. I think he, he's filled with a lot of um, information that could help me. And I really, a really, well, TikTok TikTok, <laughs> TikTok,
0: TikTok has been a game changer for <laughs> yes, years. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how much of you, how much use is there in, in, in Cameroon when it comes to Internet and streaming? Um, music? I could
2: say, like, what we know, active users, we have about, a million and a half or maybe two million. We don't have like active users. Yeah. I think those are the numbers, a million and a half, two million active users. Of,
0: like, what kind of changes would you like to see in the Cameroonian music industry?
2: I mean, I want, I want everybody should have the freedom to do the type of music they want to do because in my country, it's like there, there's a campaign going on of like, you understand? So I want people to be free to do music that they like Music that um, that I mean, like generally African music that we all know, like the Afrobeat. You can do that in your own language, French or English. But I want Cameroonians to know that they should be focused more on like the music, not who or language. It should be the music.
0: I like that music that speaks to your experience and focusing on the song and the music and the message instead of uh, focusing on on the artist and and where where they come from. from. Because I understand there's the political dimension to it, especially when you come from a country where it is bilingual. Yeah, yeah, it's it's
2: difficult. And me, I can identify myself like a Nigerian full time because my Cameroonian people. Lightly, you understand, yeah, and I can't I, like so. I'm just there. So, I'm a Cameroonian, I'm a Nigerian, I'm an African. That's me, I'm an African. I'm trying to do music for Africa. I need Africans to come to my shows Tanzanians, South Africans like everybody in Africa, not just Cameroonian or Nigerian.
0: That was Cameroonian artist Gobes Oba. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to our guests and to you for tuning in, whether you tune in on radio or on our FM stations or online at voaafrica.com. Remember, to connect with us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube. Until next time, my name is Jackson Bunganyi. Goodbye, everyone.